0: hi good morning good morning good morning well it's morning here i don't know what time it is where you guys are but it's morning and i haven't had my coffee yet but you know we're here we have
1: our coffee we shout out to b1895 next door who fuels my caffeine addiction and sometimes other addictions that they say also
0: you gotta stay caffeinated no that's funny
2: yes ricky we are so glad to have you here Really quickly, just a big thank you to our presenting sponsors, Alan and Beth Stanfield of Stanfield Properties. And to our listeners, contact them for all of your realty needs. So, Ricky, Kelly, and Dara, how do you all know each other?
0: Ooh, 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 ooh. I'll jump in right away, right away, right away. So, um, we're all from the great state of Texas. Um, Well, Houston area, Humble. Um, we went to high school at Humble High School, <laughs> one of the best high schools there are. You guys can jump in at any point, but crazy. yeah, that's
3: kind of where it all unfolded. Like freshman year. Oh my God. Being was like, this before at- or after trailers? We, we, our that's senior year it it was is. just trailers. Right. It was- <laughs> and the bat infestation. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, just so crazy. Yeah, man, we go all oh my the way God. back to Goodall, High School.
0: I'm like thrilled to think that over this course of time that we've all like somehow have stayed in contact and you know watching each other grow and, and flourishing and having families yeah. and so forth and so forth. Uh, and that's just amazing to see. You know, like to think that we were just <laughs> little kids bopping to Shania Twain in the ninth grade building yeah. <laughs> when they would change the bell to now like yeah, adulting yeah. and having... Exactly,
3: exactly. Um, and it's, so this is kind of a good transition because when we think about, you know, when we were growing up and kind of our hopes and dreams, like, I don't know about you, but mine changed pretty drastically. I think at one point I literally was obsessed with the idea of becoming a paleontologist. Like I literally wanted to dig up Dinosaur kind of sore that was my big dream when I was like in first grade so clearly that didn't work out for me um but Ricky I'm, I'm, I'm curious for you like what what did that look like for you what were kind of your childhood hopes and dreams and how did they kind of evolve as you started to kind of learn more about yourself and, and come into who you are as a person wow um so you know
0: there's been an evolution uh of course uh so you know growing up um predominantly a lot of my family are in the medical field or the government. Uh, and I, you know, I have to say, and I have to give praises to my mom for sure. Like I never felt that pressure to be anything that I didn't want to be. Uh, so I had that free reign to really explore and navigate and figure out exactly what and who, you know, I wanted to become. And initially, you know, I've always wanted to be a doctor. Uh, my thing was, I, you know, trying to figure out like what would be the best job as a doctor, And I was like, well, what's the highest paying one? And so one of those things were, you know, being an anesthesiologist. And I was like, ooh, that's what I want to do. If I can put people to sleep and control them, that's what I want to do. So initially I was going to school, you know, after graduating high school and things like that, starting college, my focus was, you know, med school and to uh, become an anesthesiologist. But as you guys know, growing up, I also did, you know, modeling and things on that side. So having the newspapers and... All that kind of fun ads in academy that's a big store uh outdoor store in uh, texas but beyond that doing um you know like shoe brands and all that fun stuff like you know being in front of the camera having my photo taken um and people paying me for it uh companies so i was like oh okay this is fun and then you know it, it it grew from there to doing commercials and then started auditioning for movies and things on that side and i was just like wow actually this is this could be a life worth living uh, because I kind of equated that in a sense of medicine. It's uh, the way that I look at it because I also write too. But beyond that, it's like what I was doing as I uh, wanted to do as a doctor in terms of healing, I can do the same thing in the entertainment business when, when it comes down to writing, when it comes down to being creative. So you know moving from that uh, moving from that space to saying that you know what I want to take a dive into the entertainment business. Um, that was my segue. Um, And so I ended up leaving college. I don't think many people knew that. Uh, I left college, so I didn't finish. Um, And I was like, I'm packing my bags and I'm moving to LA. And I moved because I was up for a show um, that we're all very fond of as kids growing up, which was 90210. I was up for the new uh, rendition that they were doing. And it came down to me and this other guy and they went with the other dude because he had way more credits he did the wire also kind of different stuff so anyway so they went with him instead but my agent was like just stay and so of course you know staying uh that went from auditioning for hannah montana like all the stuff back in the day like you know was of Waverly place like all that stuff so um staying i'm going on a tangent but this is a great tangent because i'm reminding myself i'm like oh god you have done so much uh so yeah but but yeah so in terms of what i wanted when i was little. As a growing up, like, young teen, what I saw, because I was a huge fan of Grey's Anatomy as well, uh, that was another push in the direction of going to school to be a doctor. But then also understanding, like, Shonda Rhimes is a beast with her pen. Um, And just knowing that, okay, I can create those worlds, too, and still do the same thing, the same gratification. I may not necessarily be putting someone to sleep, but I can also still be helping someone through whatever, because of them being being able to identify with the characters, being able to identify with the storylines, all those different things. Uh, so yeah, so I, I, I took that dive and now I'm living my dream. Is it easy? It's not, but, um, I'm grateful because I've survived and I managed to for the past 13, no, 14,
3: wow, 14 years. That's so amazing. Yeah. I, that's just, it right. that gives me goosebumps. Like that's, that takes so much bravery. And I'm curious, like, did you face any obstacles when you made that shift? Like, how was that received with your family? Well, obstacles, yes. I'm not even going to
0: sugarcoat it. So uh, when I first moved here, uh, you know, it was definitely a a stretch, um, you know, financially because of course I'm 18, you know, I'm moving from Texas where things are easy and simple, especially during those times. Uh, and you could get a job and you can actually afford to live because things in Texas during that time, those years back, were cheap, you know, and you're moving from a place that was reasonable and you can live comfortably and your family can still help you and still be okay to a West Coast city that is basically robbing you blind when it comes down to rent, you know, like, which are more than some people's mortgage payments, you know, at the end of the day. Um, and so, yeah, making that transition out here, it was definitely hard, um, because I only had X amount of time to rely on my family that was given. It was like, we're going to support you, but at some point in time, you got to pick up and support yourself, you know? And of course I had like certain monies like saved up, but I mean, LA is no beast. I mean, it is a beast, but it's like, it's no easy feat, you know? So, um, so once it got down to me having to really fend for myself,
3: <laughs> woo, <laughs>
0: The trenches. Um, so yeah, it would be many, many things. Like even just yesterday, I was driving, and I was passing up an old place that I would stay uh, with a friend. Um, and it was a nice place, but I couldn't afford it. But I was, you know, grateful enough that I was able to stay and you know live on the couch for. X amount of weeks at a time and then I would move and, you know, it was a lot of that. So, um, and I don't share those stories with a lot of people because it's like, I mean, my world is not picture perfect by no means, but it's like, at some point I will like kind of do the whole tell all moment or whatever of it it all. But yeah, it's, I, I appreciate those experiences because now when I think about where I'm at now and how, you know, I can survive and I can stand on my own, um, more ways than one. Um, Yeah, those those are the moments that actually really made me and appreciate the fight, because at the end of the day, when we are living and we're fighting for the dream, the reality is no matter where you are in that space, people would still die and kill to be exactly where you are, even in the suffering, you know, because it's like you look at it and you're like, how lucky, how fortunate you are to be doing exactly what you want to do, even though everything is not what you want it to be right now. People would just like, I mean, I can talk about where I'm at right now in in my space and the people that I know, but even then, like going into certain rooms, meeting certain producers, just as this new actor, like people be like, wait, you met who? You know, and how fortunate, like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, we still look at, I I don't take those moments for granted now, you know? So yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: A lot of times, even in the podcast and in my own life, where I'm at now, people see the glory and they see where we are now And they don't see the suffering that led to us doing the life that we're living right now. And I think all of us, we wouldn't be on this podcast and doing the work that we're doing to amplify voices of marginalized people if we didn't value the suffering. And if we weren't comfortable with sharing that it isn't all beautiful, pie in the sky, glory all the time. So I'm really glad that you brought that up and just brought a little bit of that struggle and how you couch surf for a while to make it. And those are, the, those are the pieces of our story that are hard to share and that are hard to kind of uh, go back to. I It's hard for me to share some of the details of growing up in poverty, for example. Um, but it's important because there's a lot of people who are going through what you're going through who need that inspiration to keep pushing Yeah, until I do end up in the room where it happened and so, or where it happens. And that's really cool. So speaking of all the finances and the nitty gritty of finances and how much money it takes in order to produce media and to survive in the media industry i want to shout out another one of our sponsors Ink designs jamaica jenny is the owner of that business and she has gifted us with all of the merch that we gift out to guests on our show and then anybody who really wants it we're able to gift that to people which is huge because we're not in the podcasting business, I put in air quotes, to make money. We're in the podcast business to share the story and to amplify voices and to further the message of, of healing and of, of inspiring people. And so because of our sponsors like Ink Designs and then Alan and Beth Stanfield, they make that happen so where it's not a financial burden for us. And, and we're just really, really grateful for that. And Ricky, you already told us how you ended up in Hollywood, so I'm going to pass to Sarah, who's going to talk on, Sarah. specifically
2: about with you about being a black artist in LA. Uh, my question for you is: What barriers did you notice along the way, um, just for young black artists in LA?
0: Well, let me put it like this: This is a loaded. This is a loaded question, um, because when I first moved here, of course, that was in 2008. Um, And things in 2008, in terms of where they are now, 2022, I would say night and day, uh, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, So ultimately, when I first arrived and I was auditioning as an actor, there's something that's called a breakdown. So typically that breakdown is that submission that you're getting in regards to the audition uh, that you're going in for. And that, that breakdown shows you the character that you're going in for, character description, and specifically what they're looking for. Um, meaning it's gonna either say we're looking for white male, white female, black male, Latino, like Asian, whatever it may be, but nine times out of ten during that time, it would either be white or it would come down to saying all open to all ethnicities, right? And within that process, and I had a problem with this because at the end of the day, it was like when you got a breakdown that said open to all ethnicities. The reality that I had to come to learn was that it really wasn't open to all ethnicities because you as a black person or you as any other minority really only had 0.1%, not even 1%, .1 0.1% shot of actually booking that job. Um, And through that process, hence where I am now on the backside of things, uh, yes, I worked. I've been on Pretty Little Liars. I've done Lifetime movies. I've done things on Disney. Like I've had a great you know, moment, you know, for myself. But within that, I got tired. I got tired of getting those breakdowns that said all ethnicities and knowing that my chance was so minimal in terms of getting the job, it was so discouraging because it's like when you audition for a project, you you may be naturally talented, which a lot of times that's more than enough. But if you want to have a leg up on your competition, you usually go to an acting coach prior to your audition. Being in this business is very costly at the end of the day. So it's like you get the audition, you hit up your acting coaches. like, yo, I have audition coming up on either the next day at such and such time. Can you get me in in the morning or it's on the Thursday? Can we get in on Wednesday to practice beforehand? Right. Which means that's another added expense. Imagine getting five, six auditions, you know, for that week and you're needing to see your acting coach on top of, you know, in terms of preparation for the audition or whatever, Uh, So now you just added more costs to your day to day, you know, at the end of the day, because you're trying to book the job. But then also on the other side of things, too, you're just like, I'm hoping that what I do when I go and show in the room is enough to book the job. So then that way I can recoup the funds that, you know, that I put in. So in terms of my experience um, throughout the process, it's not a bad thing by no means. It's just in terms of how the business has evolved and, and in, in, in the beginning of things, it wasn't so let us focus on you know, diverse casting and things on that side. Now we're in that space to where that work is being done uh where we are getting you know more diverse stories and we are getting uh to see like you know ourselves uh in, in every minority group being represented, you know and and there's still a lot of work to be done, but we have evolved in that space. so uh in terms of the gaps and things that that, that, you know, that I've seen and that I bear witness to and experienced, um, there's still a lot of work to be done, but yeah, I, I I still feel it every day. And it's like, you know, even for certain rooms and things like that, like I'm in the process of selling a show right now and it's not easy, you know, like I, I don't want to drop names at the present moment, but the people that I'm working with are people that the world knows are and are in love with. Um, you know, and it's so crazy that I'm in a space with these people going into these rooms for a show that I created, but yet, you know, we're still not greenlit Greenland yet, you know, so it's a process, yeah. you know, and, it, and it, it still comes down to, you know, relationships, different types of counterparts, the other people that are making those decisions on, you know, on behalf of said network. Um, and, you know, we're, we're, we still have a lot of work to do. We, we we're progressive, but yet we're still not progressive enough you know because we're still walking yeah. that fine line of not wanting to um what's the word that I want to use i guess like you know hurt people's feelings you know we don't want the backlash like we become so sensitive oh my mm. god we become so sensitive but yeah like it's just it's interesting
2: it's very interesting yeah that sounds like a lot and i you know i can see the hope that you're you're seeing the progress but it's still there's still that work to be done
0: a lot of work to be done and in in that process even for me i have um i have a writers initiative that i have it's called create the writers room um and of course the pandemic came so we've been on this little extended hiatus but we're coming back but basically uh in terms of the work my whole thing too was like how do i help others that are just like me that don't necessarily have representation because I do have representation in terms of a manager and things on that side. But there are a lot of people out of here out here that have the hopes and the dreams, but they don't even have, uh, in, in terms of storytelling, incredible, but they don't have the, um, uh, the, the necessary like management or the teams to go to, to get them into the rooms to tell their stories. Uh, so, you know, I've created a space and a place for people to come and have their work shared and be seen. And if, you know, they get the meetings with the networks and things like that. So I'm doing my part, at least I think I am, uh-huh, in terms of trying to make a difference, um, you know, as much as I possibly can, exactly where I am. And on that note, sorry, I'm like running on. But on that note, in terms of where I am, a lot of times I, I, I have to say this. It's like, you don't have to be exactly where you think that you need to be in order to make a difference, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. You know, you can start right where
3: you are. Snaps. Yes. I'm like, take me to church, Ricky, because yes, to all of that. Uh, (laughs) And you read my mind, actually, because I want to learn a little bit more about your company, Do Good, of course, and your efforts with Create the Writer's Room. So could you just take us through a little bit more about that?
0: So um, I'll kind of do like a quick little cliff note version. So one day I was on my way back from, I think, Houston to be exactly. And I was on a flight, uh, United Airlines, uh, on a flight and I was sitting in seat 19F. And next to me in two other seats, there was a lady and there was a gentleman. Both of them happened to be executives, one from Warner Brothers and another from HBO. And so somehow I got entangled and mixed up in their conversation. And they're like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm an actor there. You know, you can kind of feel like the, the wind shift just a little bit because it's like. Uh. And so uh, but we ended up having a really weird conversation during that flight. And through that, the crazy part about that, too, is George Rivera. So Naya, that was Naya Rivera's dad wow. at, on, the, on that flight. So I met him many years ago, um, which is like very crazy. But uh, beyond that, so great conversation. And it's like, you know, I have these ideas of projects that I want to write and that, this and that. And they're like, well, you should name your company 19F Productions. Because you're sitting in seat 19F. I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. <laughs> I will do that. So um, that's that's the start of my production company, which originally was 19F. Uh, and so creating, uh, I had this movie that I wrote called Swag. I ended up getting um, Charlie Sheen involved as a producer with me at the time. Um, also having Kevin Pollack to direct it, uh, working with some of James Franco's producers. Like it was such an incredible moment. But moving from that part, Finding my voice and understanding the type of work that I actually want to create, uh, which is, you know, of course, focused on marginalized voices, uh, telling stories that are to the utmost important, but also at the same time, um, I have a big heart for comedies at the same time. So within that process too, comedy is good for the heart. So uh, but beyond that, too, I, I, I really wanted to really find. Uh, a name that made sense in terms of what I want to do and what I want to cultivate within this space. And somehow Do Good was a part in my heart of like, oh, you got to do that. And surprisingly enough, it was available. Uh, And I was like, oh my God, like, let me snatch this up now. So uh, 19F Productions went from 19F to Do Good. uh, And that's where we are now. So in terms of projects that we currently have going on, it's very much centered around um minority voices uh marginalized voices um you know poc like all the things uh women driven projects too we have a period piece uh that we're doing about uh the fashion designer ann low which is really exciting she designed jackie kennedy's wedding dress for the people that don't know about that uh but yeah so doing some really incredible things uh with do good and do good is synonymous to what I want to do in the business, but beyond just doing that in the business, what I want to amplify into the world. You know, we have so many things that we can do. So do good is doing good for the community, doing good for people, doing good for the culture. And when I say culture, that's a collective, you know, as a whole, like all of us embody together because we are one, we're human, you know? So uh, that's really the predominant focus of what we do when it comes down to just simply doing good because we get to make that choice every day.
3: Do Man, good. you should be an inspirational speaker. I'm just going to say that because I'm like, dang, I want to do good too. I want to <laughs> be a part of this. That, that's so, that's so amazing. I'm just like, as a friend, just so genuinely proud of you for the work that you're doing. And you, you can see how much passion you have for it, which is just really inspiring.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's, you know, again, like we said at the top of things, it's the work that people don't see you know that goes into this um and the nights like look i'm not going to sugarcoat this by no means either like and i'm not too man enough to admit that you know i cry sometimes you know and i have cried plenty of nights and um been like what am i doing (laughs) like is i could just go back to school and be an anesthesiologist and everything would be like so simple but it's it's the reminder of being able to do something so unique that my footprint and my fingerprints are so synonymous to me, you know what I'm saying? But also within that, like somebody else can identify with the things that I have to say, the things that I wanna share um, and so forth and so forth. But, you know, I also find so much enjoyment. I'll go back one for a second. So I remember I had to take a year off. I took a year off from LA, that was like 2014, 2015. Uh, I I, I left LA for a year and like a few months and I went back home. and this was my setup for my big for my biggest blessing okay i looked at it as like a major setback uh things changed in life like basically was down to no pennies i had the repossession letters were coming like everything and it's like oh my god like i am stressed and like you know doing that time too is like i'm not calling my mom i'm not you know asking for anything at this point like these are the decisions and the choices that i made so i need to figure this out as an adult. You know. Uh so I ended up going back to Houston and I got quote unquote a regular job. And what I mean by a regular job uh just simply not not creating art, you know, and that's for me is regular, right? So um so that regular job ended up being a a, a leasing agent. And um and I actually didn't know what to expect walking into it because i got into it by referral which is not necessarily easy business to get into like anybody can be this but it's like depending on the type of company that you're working for it's very i don't want to call it like i don't want to say elitist but there are it's it's a thing so um so i'm working this job and i'm meeting people and i'm hearing these people's stories And it's like the other side to this, too, in terms of like being a leasing agent, like also at the same time, you're kind of a therapist because you're dealing with people like everyday situations in terms of their living and they're complaining about their neighbors and they're complaining about how the property could be much better. And it's like, sir, you live or ma'am, you live at a property like this, like many people don't live this way in life. You know, so it's just like it's really it's just really interesting. Right. So it's like you have so. How can I say this? So basically, in terms of that process, in terms of me being going back home, it set me up for my biggest blessing, which was the fact that I needed to have those learning skills in order to listen to people and their problems instead of just simply focusing on all the things that I had going on and all the things that I thought that was wrong with me and realizing that actually you're pretty okay. Uh, So um, in that process too, like I met a coworker that had a passion outside of just doing what we were doing He had a passion of being a a real estate agent, but it was more so to buy properties and support minority families, you know, in terms of, so it was really interesting. And so we got into this conversation about what do you want to do? And I was telling him about my hopes and my dreams. And he was like, oh, I know somebody that actually liked to finance movies. It's like, wait, what? And so he was like, yeah, if you're open to it, I'll set it up. Sure. Didn't put much stock in it because now I've, you know, I've been in LA for such a long time at that point. Um, and when people say certain things, you just don't take it at face value anymore. You're just like, uh huh, yeah. sure. But yeah, if the meeting happens, great. So um, ended up being a real situation, and that was my blessing in terms of the movie that I really wanted to do to get off the ground. The one that I was talking about with Charlie Sheen to get off the ground and things like that. Like, it actually turned out to be the thing that set me up to got me to, to got me <laughs> oh my goodness, to get me to where I'm at right now. Uh, in life, which has been so crazy. So that setback that I thought that was kind of like almost my end in terms of thinking that my car was about to be repossessed, Uh, my student loans were being called in on me, like all these different things were like happening. And it was like the credit score just took a a deep tumble. But that job brought me out of that you know in terms of getting me out of my debt but beyond beyond that too the stories that i were able, i was able to hear from residents that i worked yeah. you know worked with um and then also my coworker believing in me too and setting things up like it's crazy like
3: god just like laughs because he's like i got you like i just trust me like we will get you there it's not gonna look like what you think right. it should look like but just like hold on i got you
0: right And that was the, that was the thing. It's like, and I I kid you not, like my boss, she'll tell you, and she still reaches out to me to this day um, and she's still supportive of me. She gets so mad because we had a closet and the closet is where we keep the packages. So of course, knowing like what time I would come into work um, and I was on the hunt to find the financing, you know, for, for this project or just simply someone to hear it. And I would read the trade. So like the Hollywood Reporter variety, all that stuff, like. You know still at home but knowing what i know i would read the projects to see what was being financed and who was financing it and let me tell you i call at&t get my international calling set and i would go into the closet and i would start calling over into europe i would call over into china like it would be so crazy like i would call the places that were actually financing movies just trying to get people to listen to me and i actually was pretty successful And getting people to listen to me. And it may not, like, it may have not been the project for them, but it was a relationship that I built. And they were like, You're just cold calling us. And I'm like, Yeah, I am. Like, because at the end of the day, I have nothing to lose. The most that anybody could say to me is that no and stop calling.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. That's so inspiring because what the root of that is love. So you have a story and you know that people need to hear it, you know that you have a gift that can help people. And that love propels you to be determined and resilient and to not give up. That's actually what our sermon was about today at church. Today is a Sunday, Palm Sunday. And it was all about how Jesus was so stubbornly determined because of his love for us. And that's really inspiring me because to me because I am accused, I am not accused, I am a bit stubborn and very determined And as a woman in the South, growing up in Texas, that is not a good combo. Males who are determined, praised, um, said they're leaders, lots of future VPs, whereas I'm told I'm abrasive as a senior in high school. And that, that was hard for me to learn and flesh out, but it's because of your love for marginalized voices and, and the, what you've seen in the hurting of, of other artists and creators that propels you to be determined to not give up and to keep going and, and to keep pushing those doors, to sit in a closet and call 50 people. I mean, I remember doing that before the season started. I literally would go on Instagram and look at creators who were just into similar minded spaces as I was into to see if they would give gifts to people who became patrons of the podcast and I called like 20 people and got maybe two actual people on the phone and they both said yes but you have to call 20 people before you can get two yeses or 500 depending on what you're going through and and I'm just Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you talked about that and what I'd like to know more about too is your experiences with your faith so we grew up in the south we grew up surrounded by Christians who were like me and probably brought their Bible to school and maybe beat it over some people's heads. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, you're not. I am ashamed. I am so embarrassed when I think about myself growing up. It's fine. I did the best that I could. Um, I am a new person. You turned out great. <laughs> okay. We'll see, jury's still out. But how have Christians <laughs> responded to you and kind of what, what has been surprising or disappointing in, in your journey and in your faith?
0: Ooh. <laughs> well, um, I, would, I, I, I honestly have to say this, and I'm going to be 100% real. If y'all don't like it, y'all can edit it out. But this is how I feel right now. So, you know, I had to do a lot of growth. Um, and that growth came from me learning who I am as a person, my sexuality. Uh, things that I like that I don't like, like all those things, right? And, um, you know, moving here was a big testament of my faith, for sure, Um, because that's all I had. You know, it was like I wasn't moving to LA with a job lined up. I would have loved that to have happened if I would have booked the show, but that didn't happen. There was other plans that were set in place, that was set in motion for the things that I had to endure in order to get to where I'm supposed to get to, right? And so Within that, of course, my faith, was, my faith was being tested. My first two years here, I hated it. I hated it because it wasn't the type of people that I was used to, uh, because there is a certain culture here uh, that is completely different. Have I molded into that to, or evolved into that to a certain degree? Yes, because, I mean, it's a hard city. You know what I'm saying? And you have to know how to maneuver. Uh, but, but to say all of that, my faith has been tested every day. Um, and especially when, you know, moving out here at the age of 18 and you you still have so much to learn and I'm doing it on my own at this point, there's no family, there's no like, yeah, I can call my mom, I can call my sister, I can call my aunt, but they're not here, you know, like physically with me and sitting through the things that I'm going through. Uh, and so yes, tested every day. So the decisions that I was making in terms of exploration, in terms of my sexuality, um, that was hard because it was like, I, God hates me you know, kind of situation. Um, And also within that, like any decision that I made pertaining to myself, when it came down to not booking a job, it was like, oh shit. Sorry if I'm cussing, but it was like, oh shit. Like, that's why I didn't book that job because I did that. And it was like, and so it was like, uh, in terms of understanding that God's love is unconditional, it took a while for me to understand that, you know, uh, and that, who I am as a person uh, and and what I mean by as a person in terms of when it comes down to my sexuality and when it comes down to those choices that I was making then does not have a bearing on my heart, does not have a bearing on my relationship with God because at the end of the day, like he's kept me through everything that I've been through. Um, And there's been so many things that I have been through. There's been that lack of not having, you know, my father in my life that I still sometimes fill that void and still, Know that I would like to have that relationship, but at this point in time for me, it's not up to me anymore because I've surrendered to what I would like to have happen. But I have to leave that to God. You know, I have to pray to Him and I have to get and lean on understanding from Him, and I have that peace. You know, because I've leaned and placed it on Him. Uh, so yeah, it's been a test every day, uh, and it's not it's not any different any other day, other than the fact that you know some days it's more. Um, more joyous than others, if that makes any sense, uh, because we still have those moments for anybody. It's like, you know, we all have moments where it's like, it's like really up. And then we have moments where we're like kind of in the middle for that day, you know, and that's, that's okay. But yeah, every day my, my faith is tested and I lean more and more on it um, because I know the relationship that I have with God and, and how that is so sacred to me and synonymous to my experience with him and how he's, kept me as I've endured the challenges that I've gone through here, you know, uh, and in life and the loss and the gains, it's, it's all been because of him and it's all made sense. Once I sat down and got still and paid attention.
1: That was really beautiful, Ricky, and honest and vulnerable and hard. And um, I'm really curious how, what did support, did you get support from your, the church that you grew up in? Did you, Feel supported, or was there shame? You no, know,
0: you know when it comes when it comes down to the church uh, in itself, um, in, in terms of simply being me, uh, it was never me coming out to the church. You know those that I knew knew, and that was that. Um, and they have their own things that they endure, and you know how we confide in one another. That became my church. It wasn't the church as a mass. You know, my church is those that I know that I can connect with and that we share the same, you know, for the most part, the same values. And we see and we understand because ultimately, let's just keep it real. What the church was back when we were really growing up versus what it is now, it's not the same. You know what I'm saying? Um, So there is a lot of sugarcoating that happens in terms of what the church is supposed to be. And it's not that because, I, I mean, look. I don't want to I don't want to speak ill of the church because I believe in it um at the end of the day but to a certain extent I do believe it has become to a certain degree um somewhat of a show you know a lot of things have become a lot you know a, a lot like that and it's not really a place of refuge anymore it's more so about let me just give you a word and let me collect offering <laughs> you know um so my church has become more focused on the community that I have where I can be honest and open and vulnerable with people. And I know that they're praying for the good for me and I'm praying for the good for them, you know, and and God understands that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I I think that's where it all really boils down, you know, for me. Now, don't get me wrong. I will turn up on some Kurt Franklin in a minute. And I will be reminded, man, I wish I had a good old hometown Baptist church or a Pentecostal church that I could just go to, you know, here. Because, you know, you need that reminder every now and then and again. But, uh, yeah, like that church for me has become about community.
1: And that's what church should be. Church should be a safe place where all people are celebrated, not tolerated, not just accepted, but celebrated. And our church here that I go to, has been a safe haven. I've never been to a church like the church I go to right now. And it's, it's been life-changing and our church is not well received by a lot of people, even mm. within our own kind of organizational conference that we're a part of, because we do celebrate all people and allow for differences of opinion. So I lean left of center. I preached at a gay wedding. I um, have a podcast about empowering women. I'm a feminist and I worship next to people who think that women aren't overcoming opposition at the same or different rates as men. And I worship next to people who have Trump flags and they're in their yards and value him as a person. And although I completely disagree with their ideology, that same person was loading up a trailer, sweating their butt off to help people whose homes were destroyed in a hurricane. And so what our church does is we, it's, it's beautiful. It's what heaven looks like is we worship next to each other and we learn from each other and it's difficult and we have to kind of exist in tension. And, and I think that's what community is supposed to look like. And I think that that's what heaven is, is all of these different people and all these different experiences being united in their love for humanity and in their and what propels them is their love for human beings and and god's created those human beings and that is how we see god's love is in our love of others and so your experiences i just want to validate validate you your experiences are common ricky and normal and good and i'm glad that you shared them with us for sure and i hope that you can find a good old southern baptist church (laughs) In LA? I
0: No. Where
1: you can get your praise <laughs> on?
0: Right. You know, you need that, especially on, you know, just any any day. It's like, you know, literally me going to the gym in the mornings, I typically start off with, you know, a nice praise and worship song just to give thanks, you know, for, for a new day. You know, uh, but yeah, just it, just to kind of pay you back off of your, uh, what you are saying in terms of my experience being common, and that's one thing that I do know, but also in terms of like the storytelling and the things that I want to do is to show that anything is possible. It's not always going to be gray, You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you just have to step out a little further on faith and believe that, you know, everything will be okay. But even if you're not in that space of faith, um, and that's fine too. It's simply allowing yourself to find a community that supports you just who you are and where you are, you know? And so those are, those can be
1: fully who you are. Yeah,
0: that's it. Yeah, that's it. So it's just like, I just want to, you know, for myself collectively, community wise, uh, just bring light to the things that, that matter to me, but matter to other people at the same time, you know, that identify with the things that I simply identify with you know so it's it's space for everybody you know
3: my friend yeah Ricky you said something earlier sorry Kelly just you said something earlier Ricky that really resonated with me about kind of humanizing things right and I think especially in Hollywood you know we have this this picture of like oh it's it's you know they're actors and their lives are perfect and this that and the other but I think all of the work that you're doing is to like is to make it relatable and like we are all humans. some of us make a lot more money than others you know but like we we are, we are all humans, even though we're we're living these different experiences. We still have those like connection points of like we're living the human experience. Right. So I just yeah. think it's it's so cool and so important what you're doing, because it normalizes it for folks who, you know, don't have that that line of sight into your industry and, and your work. So,
0: yeah, I mean, the, I think the other day too, Kelly as uh, you know, because I, I had the opportunity, I appreciate appreciate you for having me. Uh, with some of your students, that was really exciting. Uh, and just to see, like, you know, this is the next generation, this is the next wave that's coming to continue to foster, you know, change, you know, whatever that looks like during that time, you know, we, we are here now, and they're coming behind, you know, at the end of the day. But when it comes down to humanizing things, um, I, I think a lot of times people forget about that part. They forget about that part in regards to just simply being human, just simply being a person, uh, and and being so caught up in the, the ideas of or the ideals of the fact that it's about money. It's, I mean, look, to be comfortable, yes. Okay. But even in that comfortable state, that doesn't stop life. And what I mean by that, that doesn't stop disease, that doesn't stop sickness, that doesn't stop any of those things. So when that happens, what do you have to rely on? You have your human counterparts, you know, that are there to to be that space and that haven outside of, you know, like whatever your beliefs are at that time, uh, just simply those people are your community and and being able to connect and and hold on to that. That's what's gonna hold you and keep you in those moments and those times. And it's like, we forget about all that stuff. That's why I think about like, like now where we are just in terms of how sensitive everybody, you know, they are about everything. It's like, look, I can be the first one. Like I don't agree with a lot of things. You know what I'm saying? Like even you know I, I don't I don't I don't want to get political here in terms of where I lean. Like yes, I think I'm well, not I think I know very liberal, but also at the same time, I still have um, <laughs> I still have like some conservative like parts about me at the same time. If that makes sense, and that's okay. But also, I'm just like we have become so sensitive to everything, and it's like. Where is the human experience in that? Like, even when it comes down to counsel culture, I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, this, when we counsel someone, we're canceling out the, 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 the opportunity to have conversation about it, you know, and learn and grow from it. What happened to that part? Rather than just taking up one's opinion and getting rid of everything. Wow. Okay, that's what we're doing. I, I, that part for me, I don't necessarily, you know, 100% agree with. Um, I think if we know all the facts, okay, but if we don't know all the facts, let's have a conversation about it. But the key word is facts and we never have all the facts, which means that we need to have a conversation
1: about it. Preach. Preach. Uh, yeah, that's it. What- Honestly, it really pisses me off when people are like, I can't be friends with you because you voted a Democrat. Or, like, when they, co- I, this, I talked about this in the first season. I had my character called into question and my spirituality, my relationship with God, and a lifetime of friendship with some people. All of that was just gone just because I voted differently from them. And it grieves me. And I, I, I believe it grieves God to see God's people going against one another, instead of humanizing it, just like Ricky's been talking about, and we've been talking about humanizing, this is a creation. This person in front of you who you can't stand, find something to stand and love about them, because that's that's what makes the world better. And that's what we want, right? The generation coming behind us to live in a world that's better. That's the whole point.
0: Right, 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 right. Well, we all know history repeats itself. Um and there are cycles you know uh that we must go through in order to have change and have progression and right now we're in a cycle um and it is spaces like this where we should be having conversations that get people listening and open up their minds and thinking outside of the box i'm not going to ever counsel anybody just because they don't believe in the things that i believe in or you know in or or otherwise you know i'm saying like i think that makes the value of a friendship are the value of being able to humanize with another human because of the fact that we don't necessarily believe in the same things because it's like, well, I can learn from you and you can learn from me. If we have that open mind to do so, everything is not perfect and it's never going to be perfect, um, but we can make it a little bit better if we just sit and we listen and grab a little bit of patience.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what we're trying to do with this work that we're doing here. It's, it's so important, I think, just to um, learn from the experiences of other people um, and learn from the experiences of lots of different people who have different experiences than you. And um, so we just really appreciate you coming on here, Ricky, and sharing your experience. I know that's sometimes not an easy thing to do. Um, but we really appreciate your vulnerability and just being willing to share because your experiences, your experience is one that we can all learn for, from. And um, it's just really important for us all to be able to do that as a community. So we're really honored that you are were willing to uh, kind of join us in this work.
0: Well, thanks for having me. I'm so appreciative. And it's nothing like meeting new people and then also reminiscing with two old friends like that's always great so I appreciate you guys having me. Our ladies, shall I say.
3: (laughs) Yay! Thank you, Ricky. And thank you to Texan Bank and Friendswood for sponsoring our show. And also to all the the behind-the-scenes folks who make this possible. So first, Alita Caldwell and the Funky Monkey for loaning us her studio to do this really important work. And to producer Janice Street, marketing director Robin Boren, social media manager Molly Bays, and editor Audra Bridges. Thank you for listening.